Hey, good morning, everybody. I kind of joked about, I think a lot of the people that are in person today, y'all didn't grow up in Texas. And so this doesn't freak you out like all the rest of us. <laughs> a lot of people are like, it's doing it again. It's snowing. Hey, but it is a good morning. So glad to be here. And uh, man, I'm just thankful that we have the online option as well. And so if you're at home, uh, stay warm uh, and enjoy from the comfort of your couch and your pajamas. And so this morning, as we continue kind of walking through Nehemiah, you've all probably had that moment in life where you found yourself in what you felt like was a really good spiritual moment. You're doing things for God, and then it just seems like opposition after opposition just gets heaped on you, right? Like, I remember years ago, I was doing a Disciple Now. Our student ministry is going to be doing one in a couple weeks, and it was something that we had planned for months and months, and man, it was a Kicked off really well. It was a great night. We'd had a good time of worship, and we were getting ready for uh, another um, time where all our students were going to come in and just worship and grow in who God had us to be, and a buddy of mine and I were supposed to do a skit, and we needed to go to a resource room that we had at the church and get some stuff, and I walked into the resource room, and immediately, like, my countenance just kind of fell. Um, months before, some of my students had gotten in, it really belonged to the kids area, and they had just gone in and made a huge mess. And I felt really bad because I didn't clean it up, the kids ministry had to clean it up, and I was, I was upset once again, like walking in and going, man, some punk kid got in here and they put paint on stuff, and like, I was just disappointed, kind of, that parental, I'm, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed in you. Then I got mad because when I went to walk out of the room, I grabbed the doorknob and they had covered it in shaving cream. That was the moment where it was no longer disappointment. It was absolute fury. And I will confess at a church in Fort Worth called Fellowship of the Parks in the resource room, there is an Aggie ring mark next to the door. You can make out the 05 on it. Um, and I was, I was livid. I went bounding up the stairs. The first kid I could find, I just cornered him. I'm like, were you in the resource room? And he looks at me and is just terrified and goes, yes. I mean, I mean, no, no. Like, I realize, like, all I'm doing is scaring this poor child. As that happens, the fire alarm goes off. And now I am convinced that there is a rogue kid whose sole mission in life is to tick me off. And I, I know this kid did this, and now he's gone and pulled a fire alarm. And so we're evacuating the building, and people did a great job, and they get everyone out. I'm not concerned about a fire. I just want to find the kid and, you know, send him to meet Jesus early. Fire department gets there, truck pulls up, I storm out and I look at the captain and go, hey, don't even worry about coming in, it's just some punk kid. And he looked at me and goes, I'm coming inside. And I went, you're right, you are coming inside. And I had a moment where I calmed down and then realized, no, we had actually had a smoke machine going and it had set the alarm off and it wasn't a kid and had this time where it was, you know what? I just need to calm down and maybe just let God be in control again. And then had a great night of worship. Well, Nehemiah is going to have this moment where he is going forward and he knows that he's been called by God and he's doing a great job of leading and motivating all these people. And today we're going to get to see a couple of chapters of what happens when opposition shows up. Like what happens when you know I am doing something for God's glory and I'm excited about it and I'm seeing God work, but then undoubtedly something is going to show up and opposition is going to push back against you. How are we going to respond when that happens? Nehemiah is going to show us a very good response. So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, now when Sambalat heard that um, they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. 
And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, the burned ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, yes, what, um, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. One thing we have to understand and one thing we have to prepare ourselves for is spiritual success will bring about spiritual opposition. Spiritual success brings about spiritual opposition. And what does that look like and why, I want to kind of ask this question, why would people oppose something that was good? Because as we walk through this today, I want us to see what Nehemiah did and how he responds and, and be encouraged by that. But I found myself reading and going, man, sometimes in this story, maybe I'm not Nehemiah. If I'm not careful, I can be Sambalot. I can be Tobiah. I can be the people that are actually oppressing and opposing something that is good. And we have to watch that in our own lives. And so why do people oppose something um, that's successful? A couple of things. One, some people are threatened by other success. Right now, Sambalot knows, hey, that wall is starting to go up. It's not done yet, but it's, it's moving along. And he's, he's scared of the success of someone else. And they understand this. And really, people that fall into this group, they're not worried about other people. They're really just out for themselves. Sometimes people oppose success out of jealousy. I think Sam Blot and his guys were jealous of what Nehemiah was doing. One of the most dangerous areas that this happens and that we constantly have to guard against is right here in the church. And I don't just mean our church. I mean in the capital C church. Jealousy within the church is something that is divided for far too long. It's kept others from working together. It's taking ministers and pastors and put them against each other. And I've unfortunately watched this way too much. Where when something good happens at another church, people get mad and go, well, it's, you know, they try and cast it off as, well, they don't really need that. No. If something really good is going on down the street at Broadview, praise God. If something really good is going on down the street at Southern Hills, praise God. And I would hope they would say the same, and I know they do, because I know those guys. But far too many times, jealousy, even within the church, it, it wrecks things. And God's doing something good, and we let ourselves get in the way. Sometimes people oppose others because they have a different agenda. Sambalot and his friends had an agenda where they didn't want Jerusalem to rise up. They're in some areas that are a little bit further away from Jerusalem, but they understand Jerusalem's in rubbish right now. And we want it to stay that way because as long as it stays in rubble, it lets our cities become stronger. Because once Jerusalem is back, it becomes this hub where everything coming from the far, far east has to funnel through it in times. It becomes this big trading center. And their agenda is different than Nehemiah's. Nehemiah goes, my agenda is given to me by God. I know that he's called me to this. I know he's equipped me for this. But they have a little bit different agenda, and so they oppose what he's doing. Sometimes people feel excluded. They oppose something because they feel like there's an exclusion there. And again, this is one we have to watch in church. Now, our church is going to have its very own identity. And there are going to be times where people would walk in and go, man, I don't, I don't believe that. Like if somebody that's far from God would go, well, why do you, why do you think it's... Why do you give people money like, and help them out? Why, why not do something else? Now, sometimes people just don't understand our identity, but at the same time, we can't become a social club and become so inclusive. Like anyone, you've heard me say, anyone that walks through these doors, the first thing they need to hear is welcome. 
But sometimes people feel excluded and they walk in and go, man, this, I don't feel like this is something for me. And so there's opposition. Sometimes uh, people oppose something because they have a different belief. And because of that belief, they think that what you believe is absolutely wrong. I'll give an example with this one today. Some people would oppose what I do because of my belief that life starts at conception. Like I believe that in that moment, that is a human being. We know that within a matter of days, there'll be a heartbeat. And some people would look at that and go, no, you're trying to take someone's rights away. I'm not trying to take anyone's rights away. I'm not saying that your life doesn't matter. I'm just saying there's another life involved. But because of that different view, people will oppose something that I'm doing right now. Sometimes opposition comes from traditionalists. I don't know what your church background is, but I grew up in a church background where there was a little bit of traditionalist happening. Uh, I remember my mom telling me one time, a church that she went to, a, a fight kind of broke out at a business meeting because people were upset about voting over a new pot for the kitchen because someone had broken the old one, and they had to have a vote of, do we need to do this? And there were some going, no, we don't need to spend money on that. It's a pot. Just go buy one. Like, we don't need a committee for that. And I've been in places where it said, you know, we can't change the color of the walls because they've always been that color. We can't have an instrument up there because we've never had that one up there. And so sometimes we look at those things, and God is trying to unleash the power of the church, and we get in our own way. Like, we have to know that, yes, we have been a people that have been called to share the gospel, to make his name known. That is not something that's just, okay, we'll do it sometimes. No, that's an expectation. And so many times people go, no, I'm just not, I'm not really with that. And we lose out on the fact that, man, God is trying to unleash us on our community for good. But sometimes we go, well, we've just never done it that way. Um, sacred cows make great hamburgers is a saying that I heard years ago. And I love it. Because sometimes I don't, I don't want to get in the way of what God's doing. And then there's another opposition that sometimes we give too much power to, but you've got to know that it is definitely there. It's Satan opposes everything that's spiritually advancing the gospel. Now, there's times where people will say, you know, Satan's everywhere. Satan's not God. He's not everywhere at once. Um, like, if my car doesn't start today, it's, it may not be the car demon. It may just be cold. Um, but we have to understand that as we go and we share the gospel and we live the gospel out in our lives in obedience to God, and we love the way that we know we've been called to love, and we share the way that we know we've been called to share, Satan will oppose that. Because anytime something good starts to happen, you see him showing up. God's no more said it is good as he's making the creation, and Satan comes in, and sin enters into the world. As Christ is about to begin his earthly ministry, where he is going to perform miracles, and he is going to love people, and he is going to teach them deeply about the kingdom of God, as that's about to happen, Satan shows up and tempts him. And so we have to know that, man, opposition comes from a lot of different areas. But if we're doing things that are spiritually advancing the gospel, there is going to be some spiritual opposition that comes in. Nehemiah is doing the work that he knows God has called him to do, and he's facing opposition. These guys show up, and the first thing they do is they just ridicule him. And ridicule is one of those things, it's the easiest thing to do. And it just kind of hits at some insecurities. Some of the things they say, you know, they jeer at him and they said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Like, he calls him feeble and he was right. Like they knew, hey, there's not as many of us as there used to be here. The people that built the wall before had a whole lot more manpower and it's just a small group. We understand, yeah, we're feeble. And he says, you know, are you going to sacrifice what it literally means? Are you just going to pray this wall up? 
that you can just say some prayers and it's just going to show up. You know, can you build it in a day? They, they go, no, we can't. We understand this is a big project. Now, all this opposition comes in and it just begins to feed in and feed in and feed in. And then you get one that even has a little bit of sting. After Sandoval gets done talking, Tobiah comes up and says, yeah, if a fox climbs up this wall, it's going to collapse. And the people, when they heard that, they kind of, he might be a little bit right. Like they understood the wall's not done yet. In fact, when they've done excavations of these sections, they know, hey, this wall wasn't the greatest wall ever built. Like they didn't have the manpower. They were doing it. But yeah, it was, it was amateur work. And so when he says this, man, they just one more time, they're just hearing all these negative voices come in. All these negative voices come in. And if we're doing ministry and loving people, there's times where negative voices are going to come in. So how do we respond? Look in verse 4. Now it goes to Nehemiah. It says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own head and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. And so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Here's the first thing that Nehemiah does. He doesn't retaliate. Like he doesn't lower himself and get into a battle of words with these guys. He doesn't snap back. And man, I... I wrote this message and then was guilty of breaking this one a couple days ago. Why? Because we have social media. And it's so easy to snap back on social media. And so I was following a group for former students at A&M, and someone made a comment about a former football player, and I thought, you know what, that, that is your opinion. Um, it's an opinion you needed to keep to yourself. And so I responded to it online. The next response back from this lady is questioning my ability to read um, and everything like that. And I read her comment, and I started typing. All right, Karen, I got this. Um, And halfway through that, I went, I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm literally doing the thing that I'm going to talk about on Sunday to not do. And so I deleted the comment, and I was like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, sometimes we just lower ourselves. When someone retaliates and they start just speaking things in, the easiest thing is to just get into a battle of words. Where intelligence is questioned, and intelligence is not shown. You've heard the saying, you know, from a distance you can't tell who's arguing with a fool and who the fool is. And Nehemiah knows that. He's like, I'm I'm not going to retaliate in that way. Like, I'm not going to snap back. He does the right thing. He prays. He says, hear God. He pours his soul out. He says, God, we are despised by these people. Like he just pours everything out to God and says, hey, God, I need you to do the battle for me. I'm not fighting back against him, but I'm calling on my God to do that. This is a prayer of vindication. These are probably not the prayers you're praying with your children at night of, do not cover their guilt and let their sin be blotted out from your sight. Let them be plundered in a land where they are captives. Like, I just don't pray that one very often with my boys at night. Um, Maybe during football season for other things, but not not normally. But this is what we call a prayer of vindication. And sometimes we go, man, he's he's asking for some heavy things. Yeah, because he understands these people, they're they're not attacking Nehemiah. They're attacking God. And he just... Reminds God, and God doesn't need to be reminded, but within his prayer, he says, God, they, you know, they're, they're provoke your anger. 
I know that you've called us to this. I know that you've called all of these people that are working right now. And I know that these people are opposing it. So I don't need to fight the battle. I'm just praying that you will. And then God answers his prayer. It says, so the wall was built and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. How did God answer his prayer? God gave the people a mind to work. So many times we just kind of pray and go, God, we want you to do this. We need you to do this. And sometimes we miss out on the fact that sometimes he answers that prayer by giving people a mind to do something. And we can't miss out on that. We have got to have a mind to work. Like my prayer this week for our church has been, has been this. God, I pray that you would give us a mind to work. Because he gave the people around Nehemiah a mind to work. And they began to build and build. And they've already got a, two miles of wall built, half of its height, in a sh- super short amount of time. God gave them the mind to build. And man, I pray that for us. I pray that he'd give us a mind to serve. We have so many people at South Point that serve so unbelievably well, and I am very thankful for that. And if you're here and you, there's not an area where you're getting plugged in, talk to one of us. We, we are a serving church. I pray that God gives us a mind to serve. I pray that he gives us a mind for evangelism, that we would be a church that would share the gospel with people, that we would look at our friends the same way that Jesus did, and we'd look at them with compassion, and we'd have a heart for them to know who Christ is, that we wouldn't be content with someone just staying far from God, that we would look at them and say, hey, I love you enough to share the greatest thing that you could ever hear. That we would be a church that has a culture of inviting to where we'd say, hey, I love my church and I know people are going to hear the gospel. Come with me. Come with me. Sit next to me. Like, I pray that we would have a mind for that. I pray we would have a mind for the gospel advancing in our lives. But then we just say, sharing the gospel, yeah, but the gospel in all of us, like all over us, like in the way that we're obedient when we're not here. And the way that we think about people and the actions that we take towards others when we're out during the week at work and at home. Like, I pray that God would give us a mind for advancing the gospel. So Nehemiah's thing is, you know what? When opposition comes, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray and I'm going to put my full faith and trust that God has got this. Then here's how it plays out. Verse 7, it says, But when Sambalot and Tobiah, the, uh, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites, uh, heard what they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem, uh, or heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem, was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or will see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fights for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So now, we'd seen opposition at first with these guys. And it was just a form of, like, jeering and making fun of them. Now it's going to turn into something physical. Because now it becomes a time where... They say, hey, we're going to come up against these people and 
we're going to attack them, we're going to come in and kill them, we'll cause confusion. This has escalated. Opposition is now almost a physical threat. And so what happens, one, a couple of things show just how this plays out. One, these guys that are making threaten or threatening them, they understand, y'all been pretty hard at work to get half that wall done. And so they come in, and it was when the people were tired. Fatigue is one of those things that pulls our side off of what God is trying to lead us towards. We get angry a lot faster. And this is where the people are. They're, they're physically tired. They had been building this wall with their bare hands. And these guys come in and start to make these threats. And whenever we find ourselves in a spot where we are tired, opposition can have a lot more impact on us. Like, I, I love what I get to do every week. Like, I spend roughly 15 to 20 hours a week writing a message, going through, reading, adding stuff, taking stuff out, not in the Bible, just notes and things like that that kind of came out wrong. Um, I love this. But there are times, as it gets a little bit later in the week, you get phone call about this, and this is going on over here, and there's times where it's like, man, I just can't focus what's going on, and I have to just stop down and go, okay, no, unpack that. I get, I'm a little tired right now, but, but I need to focus on the big things here. I need to focus on what God is calling me to do. And sometimes you get into a job where, man, maybe your job's really demanding. Maybe it has seasons where there's just a lot more going on, and you find yourself becoming fatigued, and when that happens, we start to lose sight of the bigger picture and the bigger plan that God has for us. And these people, it's, it's real. This threat also comes from really powerful foes. At this point, he lists off different names, and Sambalot's north of Jerusalem, and this guy south of Jerusalem. At this point, literally, Jerusalem is surrounded. And they find themselves trying to build these walls quickly because they know these people may attack us. Like, and this isn't just going to be threats. Like, they're going to come in and they're going to kill people. They're going to try and destroy the wall that we've already started to build. And so this is a very real threat. These people knew, hey, we've got a little bit of leeway because Artaxerxes, the king, gave us letters saying that we could do this. But, man, they could come in here at night and then they just blame some other tribe. Well, it wasn't us. It was them. But, yeah, still these people are dying. Like, these threats are effective, too. All the different people in those surrounding areas that weren't in Jerusalem says, hey, 10 different times they came to Nehemiah and they said, hey, you got to stop this. You can't do this anymore. Like these threats are real. But when we're faced with opposition, we just remember that God is in control. So what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah arms the city and says, you can make threats. We have swords and spears too. I have swords and spears. It lets people know you mean business. Um, and so he goes, you know what? We're still going to work. But we're going to arm guards. There was a saying from World War II that went, uh, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Um, and this is what Nehemiah does. He says, no, I'm still focused on God. Because can God fight battles for us? Most certainly. He's really good at it. You look in the Old Testament and when Moses and the Israelites are fleeing Israel, Pharaoh sends his army after them. At this point, on planet Earth, Pharaoh is the most powerful leader. He's got an army with chariots. They're advanced for their time. And God goes, no, you can't win. See, the water that the Israelites are walking through, I made those molecules. I sent a win, and I spread it out so that they can walk through on dry land. 
You can bring your whole army chasing after them with your chariots and everything. I made the atoms that make the chariots up. And I can also close the water on you. He's really good at fighting battles. You see him doing it all throughout the Old Testament. And then the greatest one in the New Testament. He fought the battle to defeat sin itself. In the perfect time, our God, who is more than capable of fighting for sons, daughters, brothers, homes, he looked out on sin itself. This thing that has plagued mankind, this thing that separates us from God. You've got a perfect and holy God on one side and a sinful human over here. How can that sinful person stand in the presence of God? Sin had to be defeated. And he fought a massive battle and he sent his son Christ who lived a perfect sinless life and was crucified at the end of that, was dead, was buried, and after three days God raised him back, defeating sin itself. Through Jesus Christ, sin was defeated. And through Jesus Christ, we have that opportunity to go, I don't have to be that old person anymore. Like, my sin can be forgiven so that I can be justified and stand before a holy God. Can God fight battles? Yes, and praise God, he's God and he's good at it. And so when we face opposition and we go out this week, and this week may look a little different, but we're out and we're, we're trying to be the people that God has called us to be, and someone begins to speak a little negatively into our lives. Hopefully we don't get to the physical threats. Most of us have never really experienced that. But we got brothers and sisters all over the world who are followers of Christ, and they're looking at that and going, I get that. I get that because when I tell people I'm a Christian, they you know, run me off from my home and burn it down or just try and kill me. Like when we face that opposition, we have got to remember to stay focused on God. You don't have to fight the battle. God is more than capable of fighting it. There's an old saying, no one has to defend a lion. And that's our God. Nehemiah knew, I am going to stay razor focused on you. I am going to continue to let prayer be my battle cry. And I'm going to continue to watch you fight the battle for me and win over and over and over again. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, it's today, yeah, it's cold, and I, just, I pray safety for a lot of people, Father. God, for those that are driving, God, for those that I know are homeless. And God, we just lift them up today. And God, as things come our way and we find opposition, and God, we know that it's not opposition to us, but it's opposition to your glory and your will, I pray that we will just simply stay focused on you. That our prayers will be, God, you fight the battles because we know you win. God, we are thankful and celebrate this morning that, yeah, you fought battles for Nehemiah, but you fought battles for all of us through Christ. If there's someone that's here today or watching online and they've never known what it's like to be forgiven, they've never known what it's like to experience salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, but they just know I need that. Simply saying, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you. I want to turn away from my old self. I want to follow Christ and make him the Lord of my life. And God, as people pray that, another battle is won, God, because you defeat sin. I pray we would always celebrate that. God, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.